if you're like me, you've been seeing or rather hearing about audio dramas like Welcome to the Night Vale, The Magnus Archives, Limetown, and thousands more, cumulatively with hundreds of millions, if not billions, of listens. So many things to be curious about. What if we could get someone who has an in-depth knowledge on audio dramas, a background in television, and is a huge freaking nerd? But we're in luck today because we're joined with Stephen Kruger. No, no relation to the other Kruger that's been on the show. Stephen is the creator of Subterra Podcast, a sci-fi dystopian tale of survival. Today we're going to dig deep into audio dramas, making them Star Wars, and ask a few fun questions like, who is the Mandalorian? If you like this type of content, please subscribe. We're putting out two to three new episodes every week, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Thank you everyone thus far for liking, subscribing, and leaving comments. Let's take curious, learn about Subterra, and the intense world of Steven's creative mind on this episode of the Learn Bull Show. So you don't build Actually, this later, you don't take both sides and marry it. Uh, Zoom separates into two. Uh, this every, We're starting the episode. The uh, Zoom separates. We're doing this in Zoom. The We're talking about podcasting. As everyone reading the title and the intro is going to know what we're talking about today. Well, Zoom separates the audio files into two. And then I like auto level them. And then I make them the same sound like level. So it sounds like we're kind of in the same room. And okay. that's all I do. So like, like Zoom separates the two tracks. But it also does stuff to the audio, which I'm not a fan of. That's why I want to go. I've tried out everything else out there. And um, I mean, Zencaster. And there's a couple of them that are nice and all, but I just think for the cost, it's a little weird. But then at the same time, uh, I think OBS, which for some people, it's like a streaming thing. So if you watch Twitch, that's what most people use it for. But I think there's a lot of really cool applications for podcasts that I've been exploring for the last couple of weeks and, and guinea pigging people on. And uh, it would get a much better audio quality, I believe. But how did you um, how did you record yours? Were you digital? Were you in a studio? Like, How did you record your podcast? Um, before I answer that, what did you mean that, that zoom does something to the audio? Like what, what, what does that mean? What does that sound like? It just, it, it just compresses uh, it. It, just, it does some, yeah, it doesn't, it's not like a, when it doesn't sound like if you, um, I don't sound as good going through zoom. Like it just does stuff to the audio to make it more whatever on their software side. If you were to, if you were to record your sound and record it through zoom, there is a distinct difference. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah, if you if you want, I used to do my intros by recording on Zoom and then I realized this fact and then I wouldn't tell her things. So if you record yourself just speaking into Zoom or uh speaking into your phone on the other side of Zoom and then look at the audio as you, you know, compare it to something that you did locally on your computer, it'll be different. Like the waveform like physically looks different. Yeah, and it sounds different. Oh. What are you up to, Zoom? What are you doing? Well, it's a I don't, they're not really designed for this type of thing. We're just kind of using it for it. That's like true. bastardization. Does anyone know who owns them and like where do they came from? And like, it, 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 every corporation in on earth two years ago decided we're just going to use this one platform to communicate. Like, does anyone know where this audio and video gets funneled through? Like WebRTC stuff, like the actual software layer? No, like I mean, like, like, who, like who owns it and like. No, I don't know. I don't think about these things. <laughs> See, these are the things that I think about. It was it was for like years and years. I would be on conference calls before Zoom, and it was everyone was cheap, so they'd use one eight hundred conference call free or freeconferencecall.com. dot com. And it That's was before my time. It was a free service. Well, I, I, I'm a seasoned uh, veteran of of lots yeah. of communication I've, devices. I've used Zoom for or some form of Zoom since for like the last like ten years. Uh, well, these were, I think there's like uh, these TV dinosaurs that I knew and they would, you know, we'd have a conference call and I would uh, midway through, I'd go, does anyone know who owns this company that we're all speaking into and who, who knows who's why listening? Does it, 
Yeah, I get like why does it matter? Like we're there's no like privacy in this world. I guess there's not. I guess why ban TikTok? Because we're just we're jumping onto platforms. We're like, hey, it's free, or you know, you you can talk oh, on Zoom. We probably should ban TikTok. We probably should ban it. Everyone in listening that likes TikTok, it's a nice platform, but China's mining us, and you need to stop doing that. Apparently, uh, apparently they even like uh deliver content differently to like people in China versus people in America. I read I about this. that. I don't know and, if that's true though. Uh, it's a great story and I believe it because I read it, but I don't know if it's true, but I guess within China, they have age limits. And if you're under a certain age, uh, they push, you know, if you're under 14, they push like science and STEM stuff yeah, towards you. I heard this. And, and I got it from 40, Joe Rogan. I don't know if it's real. You got it from Joe Rogan? Yes. I'm oh, a fan. He's fun. It's, it's definitely not real. <laughs> well, you got it from an independent source too. So I mean, yeah, we're triangulating. I, I know, I, I know. I got it from some blog, and you got it from Joe Rogan. Um, there's, there's seventy five percent of it is probably two, but they cut kids off at forty five minutes. That was what blew my yeah. mind. They do that, which, and then they, uh, the content itself is different. Like ours is more dance and that type of thing, where theirs is like engineering. Like, oh, look at the cool stuff yeah. you can build. Yeah, like, and it. I feel like our the the version we have here should balance the two. There should be, yeah, you, know, you want to watch dance, you want to watch Wednesday from Netflix, do the dance thing, great. But here's like, here's a video on quadratic equations. Like, it should be balanced. But uh, the way they sell it to us, it's it is just like it's a slot machine. Just never stop putting nickels into it and keep pulling the the thing. And yeah, I don't I don't know if it's good, but I don't know if Zoom is good. Hundred percent. Who owns no, Zoom? Can, can anyone answer that? I, I think it's owned by an American company, which give like the thing with Chinese companies versus American companies that no one thinks about is that China owns those companies. Where in America, people like companies routinely flip off the U.S. government when they ask for stuff like Apple. It's like, hey, we want to want to backdoor into this product or whatever. And they'll say, fuck you all the time. Versus China, it's like, no, we are like they're just built in or they'll like they'll kidnap billionaires and stuff like the U.S. <laughs> government doesn't get, a, get away with stuff like that. <laughs> Um, so to answer your, your question from 10 minutes ago, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how did I record my podcast? I, uh, I decided to buy a bunch of podcasting equipment because I, I am on a couple on the Kevin Smith network and sort of run my mouth and have fun. And I thought, oh, I could do this at home. So I, I bought some condenser mics and a, a mixer and I put it into one of those Tupperware giant, you know, things, those tubs. Where you keep all the stuff, and I portable. Push, oh, okay, yeah, you know, like a like a giant storage tub, and I pushed it into tub. my garage, and I went, great, that will sit there and do nothing, and it did for a while, like a year, and then uh, the pandemic happened, and we were all at home, and I, I have a a friend that I worked with in Texas when I lived there for a couple of years, and he's a screenwriter, and I'm more of like a TV guy. And we were knocking around an idea about, um, what did we call it? Game of Thrones in a bunker, you know, like a, a whole cast system of characters who all live underground because the earth has turned to poison. And what would that be like? And we were like, you know, making mood boards and coming up with the pitch. And we were going to go to so-and-so. And he knew that guy who made that huge movie. And we were sort of doing that, like that game. And then the pandemic happened. and. Um, you know, everyone struggled during it, as did people who like sell TV shows and sell movies. Um, and so no one was buying anything. Like, no, there's no, there's no place to take this. And I said, well, what should we do? And he said, I don't know. And I said, oh, I've got that tub 
in my garage with all that audio equipment. Why don't we just scrap pitching it and just like, let's make it, let's just stop doing what we keep doing, which is we know people, we go to them, we pitch them an idea. Maybe they give us a little money and it goes nowhere, you know? So I said, okay, um, I don't know how to do, I, I'm not an audio engineer. Like I don't understand any of this. And so I just, you know, sat on YouTube and watched tons and tons of videos. And uh, we wrote a script and I have an actor friend and he's, re you know, records remotely. So we didn't all get together because you're not supposed to, because it's uh, the pandemic. And I just kind of like through sheer determination and will just made it. I taught myself how to edit. I taught myself how to write music. I mean, I, I have some idea about music, but I, I didn't know how to score anything. Um, and they were like, they were all kind of things that I had done before in my profession, but I'm always like removed from it. There's always like a, a composer that comes in or does this, or there's, you know, there's a mixer that mixes it for you. And so I kind of learned to do all those things myself. Um, and it was probably the single best creative experience of the past 10 years of my life. Like it was just so like fulfilling and so interesting. And I have been proselytizing it ever since. Like you, you gotta, you gotta make one of these, you gotta do it. It's so fun. It's so, um, it, it checks all the boxes that I wanted when I set out to do something creative. And, uh, there's no, like I said to somebody recently, like, I, like I'm the one who gives the notes. I'm the one that says, yeah, this could be a little better. We could try this rather than, you know, some faceless person sitting in a building in Netflix. Oh, so many miles away who maybe they spent five minutes looking at it and, and eh, maybe you should change this. Like it, it was just like this great sense of ownership and just unbridled creativity. So that's how I got into making scripted podcasts. Yeah. What was the, of the equipment you had, what did you actually end up using uh, that you'd I, actually recommend people check out? I am currently, my voice now is through a, a condenser microphone, which are a little, a little sensitive. I see you've got like a, a sure, um, right. Is that sure? This is an or? audio technica. I have a, oh. a condenser one over there, but it was, it was irritating me as we discussed. Yeah. Um, that this is, is audio technica, like 2100. Yeah. It's cardioid, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, that's sort of better for general purpose. Like a, uh, a condenser mic picks up a lot of the high end, a lot of the low end, and uh, a lot of helicopters flying over your house or cars, um, you know, parking nearby. So it's very sensitive. Um, yeah. But you can hear I, trucks drive by when I've been using it in some of my episodes. You can literally hear a truck drive by. And it's like, yeah, but you see, I, I like that. That's like authentic. Mile away. Yeah, I know. But like, I, I definitely know, like, you're not in some fancy studio, you know, that there's like 10 engineers. Like, I know that you're, you're a real person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're really doing this from home. You like, you really believe in it. So I like those little errors. I like those errors is the wrong word. It, it gives it a sense of authenticity. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, the guy that recorded the, the actor that I use that sort of narrates it and does the characters, he was recording at home in a very similar mic to yours. And he had his dogs near him. And a couple of times they ruined a take by shaking their head and you could hear their collars kind of jingle in the background. And so to cover that, I built like 
uh, a room tone, a soundscape of what this bunker sounds like based on that to cover it. So I like found, you know, like things with little tinkling sounds. And so you don't notice it, but his screw up became like the inspiration for the the, the sonic design of the entire bunker. So, you know, that's interesting. Yeah. So then, no, use everything. So would you recommend that is the, is my microphone or your microphone? Like what's the ones that you recommend? And then the headset's pretty good. It's weirdly, it like cuts out a lot of background stuff, which I don't really understand why I would do that. But like the headset, your, your mic, your, your, no, no. Whenever someone wears a headset, it's like, it immediately makes the, it sound better. Oh, I've never tested this. It's like, it's like weirdly better. Um, yeah, I would recommend, uh, I would, actual I would quality say, of it, like not just the perception of it. Yes. I, I, th I think a condenser mic is, is a good place to start, but they're a little more expensive. Um, so, you know, you can use a cardioid mic. You think you just need to get a little closer to it and you just don't get the same amount of information. But again, it's like, it's dependent on the project you're, you know, embarking upon. And I didn't really have a choice. I bought these before I knew anything about microphones. So they were sitting in my garage in that tub. So th these are the ones I used. Um, and, you know, I, I think I could have recorded in a studio, but I, I did it at home. And when I did the second season, I had a, a friend of mine come in. He's an actor who you've seen in a ton of stuff. He works a lot. He's not famous, but you, you'd know him. And he works a lot. And he's... He was kind of complaining. He says, I don't really get to act when I'm doing all these TV shows. Like I, I'm a puppet, like, you know, stand here and move your hand right there and say your line looking this way and then turn and go here. You know, like it's very much like hitting marks and delivering a line, maybe a little bit of acting, maybe a little intention behind that. And then, you know, move on. You're out. You're 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 a prop almost. And he had such a good time. Like I get to act, I get to try things. I get to experience. And he would walk around where I am right now. This is, this was the studio. He would walk around, like, you know, he would get into character and he wanted to run into a scene. He's like, can I run up to the mic and, you know, deliver my line? I said, absolutely. Like, who cares? Like, you know, we're not, this is, this doesn't, this is not uh, costing us any money. So let's try, let's try everything. And I think I got some really good takes where he's like in the moment and he's, you know, like getting excited and running across the room and saying his line at the mic, like he's saying it to someone. And I think what I liked about what I was doing there is, is a lot of scripted podcasts are recorded kind of like radio plays um, yeah. where it's very like, you could tell the person is just standing right on the mic and they're just delivering their line. It'd be great, but it doesn't feel like live. Like welcome to the night Vale. Yes, exactly. It feels kind of radio playish. It feels a little like stilted. And and uh, what I liked was uh, being able to like let the actors move around. I, I even watched a video of this horror podcast where they give the actors hand mics and let them move around a set and feel it. Hmm. You know, and, and it was funny. I was what was the horror podcast? I God, I can't even remember that. But I, I I was inspired strangely by this movie Rango, this animated movie with like Johnny Depp from 10, 10 yeah, years ago. He's a lizard. Yeah, he's a lizard. And it's a good movie, but but how they recorded it. So they usually when you record an animated movie, an actor goes into a, a studio and yells into a mic and they chop it up. And for Rango, they put uh, lavalier mics on the actors and boom them and they let them walk around a set. 
So they let them like walk up to people and say a line. You know, if if the action on the screen is Rango walks up to this person and says their line, Johnny Depp just goes into a booth and he goes, "Hey man, we got whatever whatever Johnny. That's my Johnny Depp." And um, there's no action there. He's just saying the words, but he's not like it's not performative. It doesn't feel lived in. And so the way they made Rango was they let the actors basically put on a stage play and record the audio and probably did a little cheats later and probably did some inserts, but it just, I I thought that's so freeing for the actors who ordinarily are just kind of like, you know, you're just, you're recording voiceover. You're just, you're, you're in a booth. Often you're not with other actors who are in the movie with you. And, you know, it's a sterile, cold, uninviting environment, but uh, getting a bunch of actors on a stage and miking them and saying, don't worry about the audio. We'll, we'll, we'll get something of quality. Um, like my friend who wanted to like run up to the mic and say his line. It's not the best quality audio ever recorded, but like, I'm not making a Pink Floyd album. I'm like, I'm trying to like capture something emotional and real. And I found like, that was one of my like, Oh, you can do it like this with these, with these mics. And I, I, I built um, a sort of soundscape underneath the world broom tone, as they call it um, that hit a lot of my mistakes. And also people are like, they're listening to podcasts while they're walking their dog or at the gym and their headphones. Like this isn't like a movie that needs to, you know, be in 3d and have um, blue people who swim underwater um, yeah. The second so, one was not very good. It wasn't? I haven't no, seen it. I'm not going to say anything then. I don't want to spoil it for you. It, <laughs> the premise of the show does, the premise of the movie doesn't make sense. Like the, Which, the, the whole like catalyst of, of why the whole movie happens does not make sense. That's a problem. Yes. Uh, it, like honestly, if I met James Cameron, I'd ask him about it. It was like, well, I just want his answer would probably, I just wanted them to go swimming. So this is the closest I could get to a reasonable explanation. It's like, there's no way a leader of a war party leaves the war party from a bunker to go to a place where anyone could find them. Like it's just a dumb, it's a dumb premise. Like no one would ever do this. There would I, be I don't no want to spoil anything. I, it's it's yes. Spoilers. Whoever's listening who hasn't the, the, the one person in the, on earth who hasn't seen this movie yet. Oh, that's me. Well, I mean, you're yeah, one don't of spoil them. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm one of them. Yeah. Yeah. The first one didn't, well, didn't do much for me. I don't know. I, I thought I it was okay. Remember. Yeah. I, I liked it. I thought it was okay. I thought it was beautiful. That was about it. Also, just to like touch on the sound, because I was I've been listening to your episodes, and I also want to ask you like, why does the time variable? Why isn't it like twenty? You know, like well, the night, night bell is like twenty minutes, but the sound, everything you're saying, I would not guess that's what you did because it sounds really good. I think oh, there you. is an element of like that. There's probably some snooty, like one of those like owl-eared people. They're like, oh, he, like, they could have done like three percent. Like there's like that two percent better or something. But the sound actually is really good. I. Everything you're saying right now, I wouldn't have guessed that. I, I thought it was like, you know, standard, you know, it, almost like in a booth quality sound for what was going on. Like it was very encompassing. I, I could imagine what was going on. It wasn't um, everything we're saying. I would imagine there'd be like a, a cost, like a trade off, like a cost for doing it. And I couldn't hear any cost. Yeah, so there's I think like that... a, an, an effective noise level of noise quality that you'd captured very well. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I think, uh, you know, Sure. If I had all the money and all the time in the world, I would have like a $50,000 microphone and 
like we didn't need it. 50, 50 engineers and we do a thousand takes. But like, I was like, okay, I only have so much time, so much energy. And what was most important to me was like capturing something that connected with people and felt real and authentic and emotional. And I don't think you get that with like unbelievably crystal clear, perfect sound. And it's like a part of my huge issue with all of movies and television where there's like this overemphasis on perfection in terms of the picture, the sound, the editing. And I'm like, I mean, I don't care. Like I, when you think about movies that you love, you're like, did it sound good? Like, I don't even, I don't even remember. I don't, does Star Wars sound good? I guess it does. Yeah, sounds great. I mean, yeah. but there's. But that's part of the soundtrack, the soundtrack, like the the ambient noises they move through things is, is kind of neutral. They hear them clang into stuff every now and again. But there's like, like a stormtrooper hits his head and they left it in, you know, and I know that drives George Lucas crazy, but I'm like, eh, it's it. what I remember is like, oh my God, there's like looking up at, I, I remember seeing it as a kid and looking up at the sky and looking at the stars and thinking that's going on up there. Cause I wasn't very smart as a kid. I didn't realize it was a made up movie, but I, you know, I, I, yeah, but it doesn't have like lens flares like the new J.J. Abrams one. Like those movies look better than Star Wars. Like Star Wars, there are moments. Um, the lightsabers can, too, yeah. You can see into Darth Vader's, um, you can see his eyes, you can see the actor in there, which I know later they've gone and, and um, painted out. But I found online I like that, that yeah. uh, somebody had, they somebody found a print from 1977 of Star Wars before George Lucas before it ever went through telecine into video, like they found a print of it and they painstakingly scanned each frame and you can find it on the internet. Obviously it's not a, you know, not a Disney Lucasfilm release and it's grainy. Like they definitely color corrected many more times. I'm like, wow, is it grainy? Like, like the, when the robots are on the planet in the beginning, I'm like, Ooh, I forgot. Like it, it looks so much better now. Like audiences in 77 were like, huh? And Darth Vader's mask is all scuffed up. It's not like perfectly smooth and you can see into his eyes. Like I could see the actor in there and I'm like, oh, they definitely went and did some correcting, but who cares? Like it's, it's star Wars. Like it, yeah. it, it has, it has touched billions of people and there are errors in it. There are, you know, flubbed lines and, you know, bad ADR and things that like, I, I'm sure like a, a technical professional, like, like you said, an eagle eared person or like a, you know, a color timer will look at that print and go, Oh, look at this. It's all, they, they think pushed it a stop and it's all grainy. Uh, who cares? Like, and you know, it, it's, it, it did what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to connect with people and make them feel something and bring them joy. So you know, there are there are those in the creative arts who put way too much emphasis on perfection where I'm like, eh, it's it. it I, I thought Subterra sounded good enough. And yeah, it's good for, for people. Not that are, just good enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm just I'm not looking for technical awards. I want people to be like, oh, my God, I was rooting. For, you know, the, the, the best compliment I got was from a, a, a woman executive who's like, I don't like sci fi. And I said, well, just listen to it. And she said, about the fourth episode, I was rooting for the dog. I was really like, go, go, go. And I'm like, oh, you connected with it. That makes me happy. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
don't don't worry that your product that your your creative output is not James Cameron level. Only James Cameron can wait 13 can make a film for 13 years. Like he's got that much money and that much clout that he can, you know, shoot and shoot and shoot and and whatever. Like I'm sure the movie is visually perfect. But I've no. not met a person that are like, oh, it's it's a really good story. It really connects with you. And, you you know, it sucks you in. It's like, uh, yeah, you don't go for the story. I'm like, but I do. The, the, the video quality changed at several moments. Like it literally changed. I thought it was like my eyes were broken or something because it would go from like, I don't know. I think someone said it was like one frame rate to a different frame rate, but you could feel yes. it. Yes. It was, it was kind of, it was irritating. It's like you put all this, like, I thought my eyes were broke. Like I was like staring too much at the computer screen. Cause it was like three hour long movie. Um, no, but yeah, apparently like there actually does shift, but I, I agree with your point. I think most people agree with it when they check out your, I hope everyone listening and, you know, gives it a try. Cause these aren't long episodes. Like I think the longest one is like 20 minutes and 30 seconds. Like they're, they're pretty quick. Like, you can like listen to it like the whole season pretty, pretty fast. Yeah. They're so try it out. They're good. And for sounds a, great. They're, yeah. They're good for a dog walking. Um, and it's about a dog. So it's like kind of perfect to, I'll take my dog out and listen to something and go somewhere else. And, you know, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it's, it, you were just talking about Cameron and, and uh, the way of water. He, he does have, he does change the frame rate. It's like not a hundred. I think it goes to 48 frames in some of the action sequences, which was a kind of big Spirit thing a couple, a couple of years ago. Uh, Peter Jackson did, the Hobbit, and he released it in uh, some crazy frame rate, like a, like over a hundred, which people were like, "It looks weird," you know. Um, well, he gets a pass. The he he didn't have enough time to like. I don't know if many people know about the difference between The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings for Peter Jackson. Uh, Peter Jackson had years to work on setting up Lord of the Rings for previs and all that other stuff, but for The Hobbit, he was taking over for Gil Gamero Del Toro, whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave him like six months. That's yeah. why if. It's like, there's a famous Mark Twain quote. Uh, sorry for the long letter. I didn't have time to write you a short one. He, that's why it's three movies. He didn't have yeah. time. He yeah. was just like laying the tracks. He was dead. And if you look at behind the scenes stuff, he looks dead inside. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, he was loving every moment of it. The Hobbit, I, I, I don't know. He looked like he was probably on suicide watch. Like it was just so sad to see just the difference in passion and like how much it was grinding him. I am currently going through Lord of the Rings for probably the 10th time watching them. Um, the, I, I watched the extended cut because I think it's why not? You know, they're I, I, I trick people it. into watching that. You, how do you trick them? <laughs> I don't tell them there's a different one until it's done. <laughs> they're just like, oh, yeah. wow, this is, low. Well, this is really long. It's like, Ooh, it's, it's even in multiple discs. It's like, oh, yeah, but it's really good. Where I was like, yeah, I just wish it was like shorter. <laughs> uh, I, but I like, but I like the idea of this because I saw them in the theaters and I loved them. I loved, loved, like, I'm like, this, this guy gets it. Like, it's, it's, Epic shots and great action sequences, but the emotion like just anchors yeah. you after every, oh my God, that was a great scene where they're fighting X and Y. And then there's like, oh my God, I'm so sucked into, you know, all of these storylines and handles them beautifully. Um, but I think it would have been tough to sit through another hour just as a movie goer. And I like the idea of like, there's a movie cut and then there's a home video or streaming cut because I love the extra stuff. It just, it is such a richer experience 
I just finished the two towers the other night and I'm watching like an hour, an hour and a half in a sitting. And oh my God, like just it's, it's perfection. I don't think I've seen yeah. better, a better trilogy of movies. Yeah. Uh, definitely. I, I just went through the last three star Wars, which, you know, everyone has an opinion. Um, just, I don't like it, what they did to Luke. I don't know what yeah. your thoughts are. Like, it, Luke just doesn't make sense. Like, just it's like his evil brother. Like, Luke would just Luke literally redeemed a a genocider. It's like he brought Hitler back. Hitler gets a pass, but his nephew had a bad dream, gets knifed in the uh, night. Like, I just don't believe it. It's just shocking to me that they had all that time. So, mm -hmm. so uh, Peter Jackson had a you know his entire life to prepare for this movie, and you could kind of see little bits and pieces of it pieces of lord of the rings and all his movies leading up to it like he's a very talented guy and then you know gets ready to embark upon this thing and sticks to landing like i've never seen mm -hmm. um Sh Sh Gollum is one of the greatest characters i've ever seen on film it's just so engaging um and then you know, Disney and George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy have ha decades to get ready for the new Star Wars. And they didn't figure out, like, what's Ray's story? I don't know. She's a nobody. Wait, no, she's a somebody. Like, it just it shifts from each movie as if they're just like writing it on the fly. Apparently, they didn't have an overarching plot or something like Ryan Johnson was given like, hey, this is I don't know. I think it it's. When you open up Star Wars with a mama joke, you probably shouldn't be allowed to make film again. Like, it's Star Wars. Like, there's a reason why George Lucas had classical music, so it'd be timeless pieces. And there's a movie in Star Wars where they open up with a mama joke for like seven minutes. Yeah. You open up to, to a mama joke. Someone should kneecap that, man. It was yes. so, I was like, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm seeing. It was, uh, I mean, I want to, I'll give things a try. I mean, the prequel series was like, okay. But then when you watch Clone Wars and Rebels and some of this the ancillary content, it really brings it up. I don't know if you've, have you checked out the animated stuff? I, I have. I, I, it's really good. Yeah. And, the and, clones and are I, just amazing. And then I've been really disappointed just as a fan and as a fanboy uh, with all of the Disney plus shows. Yeah. The Mandalorian's fine, but I, it's, it feels like something uh, you would watch as a kid on Saturday afternoon on syndication. Like it just kind of feels like a, Oh, there's a lot of murder. A, uh, they they got to go to this place and get that thing by the end of the episode. Like it's just it's very kind of like marching along, uh, totally disconnected emotionally. Just hey, sure, the little baby Yoda is adorable, but uh, aside from that, you know, it's it's like a Gilligan's Island. It's like we got to get over there and get those coconuts away from the the natives. Like, what is this about? And I, I didn't even give. The Ben, the Obi Wan Kenobi series, a shot. Like I just, I heard it's terrible. It wasn't. Um, of of the two series that came out, Obi Wan Kenobi and Andor, Andor blew me away. I I didn't really. I was like, why well, am I going to watch something that like the guy dies and it's like kind of a done thing? But then at the same time, that's basically Obi Wan Kenobi. But I thought I was going to like Obi Wan. I did not like it. But Andor, Andy Circus, blue. It, that it was amazing. It was that, amazing. So and as I was building to Andor, and I'm like, I, you fooled me once, Disney, with this and that, and the the, the Boba Fett one, the Book of Boba Fett. Like, that was I, shame on me if I'm going to go in again. And then it came out, and then you know, this is like how we ingest content now. It comes out, and I'm like, nope. 
And then the blogs start coming and then the video reviews and like YouTube's pushing me videos. People are like, it's a masterpiece. It's really good. And then I'm like, ah, uh, I have a friend who's very, very high up at Disney. And I actually asked her, I'm like, are you, are you cooking the books there on the internet? Are you paying people? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, okay. I, <laughs> um, okay, sure. Uh, you know, Disney has all the money in the world. They can make people write positive articles and put out videos, but I just like, it reached like a critical mass where I'm like, I got to watch this. Like, I didn't really even like rogue one or I, I don't even remember it. I was just kind of like, eh, it was okay. Okay. Yeah. It's like, it's fine, but this is a star Wars movie. And then I watched Andor, and it blew me away. It's incredible. And I think it goes that it, it starts with the writing, like the characters are so memorable. That guy's mom, when he goes home and he's been fired and he's living with I hate that mom. this yeah. nagging, <laughs> but she's like, she's the, my second favorite character in all Star Wars. Mm. Like, oh yeah, I guess they have kind of annoying naggy moms in this universe too. Like it felt it's very just, real. Yeah. It just, it, it, it's like, it pushed aside all of the adventure and all of the like, Luke, we got to get the TIE fighters off of us. Don't get cocky. Like that's all great. And that's like what Star Wars like exploded out into the zeitgeist uh, with like, it's an adventure movie. It's a, it's a, it's a story that is pure entertainment, but like beneath the surface, there's some interesting things. And George Lucas didn't have time to explore them because that was then. And this is now, but like Tony Gilroy has the time to explore like, what's going on at the empire and like, what's the bureaucracy like there and what's someone who wants to get ahead? What is she pushing against? And I cared about the empire. I mean, I, they're, they're the bad guys. They're evil. I don't root for them, but it made me understand them where I think, you know, uh, the prequels and definitely the JJ Abrams era of star Wars. Like what are these people, what do they want? will rule yeah. the universe like why that sounds like a lot of work the galaxy yeah. will be ours like to do what i and always wonder rule the universe either they, they <laughs> ruled like a very small segment of it like the outer rim was run by like the huts and all these other people yeah he didn't even but, succeed but i i loved andor i can i cannot recommend it enough like even if you're it, it's not solely for star wars fans which I really appreciated. I was like, oh, it's not, you know, like, remember that character? Remember him? Like, it's just like the yeah. endless fan service, which like I get, but I, I just really appreciated that they didn't like, what's the South Park thing? The member berries, you know, you remember this Star Wars fans? Like, mm. yeah. Well, uh, I I think, I don't know where, I, I think I read this, where it feels like, it feels like a sci-fi story that happens to be set in Star Wars. Like, it's just a yes. story that's set in Star Wars. And that feels pretty cool. I, I know you wrote your uh, podcast during the pandemic. And I think my favorite piece of contact that, content that came out during the pandemic is Stations Eleven. Cause oh my it's about God. A, it's about a pandemic that happens. So they're they're like, they, they have that added weight as they're making it. And it's a beautiful story, like how they use Shakespeare and all these other things to ele elevate like the themes of what's being talked about. I thought it was so beautiful. Like I cried at the end when like, you know, Giovanni, 
uh, nothing happens that I'm going to spoil. So people check it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's another one. That's like, uh, everyone was telling me to watch it. I'm like, really? What is it? Is it really that good? Like I, it, I've got to start listening to the market, you know, when everyone is screaming, like watch this. And I'm like, I, I took the third episode before I, like the first two I was like, what the fuck is this? Third episode. Was like, okay. I see what they're doing. I, and then I like it now, but the first two was like, this is a weird way to tell a story. Kind of like it's, it's like what's happening. We're in the in the past, you're in the future. People are dying. People are not. But but now when I watch the whole thing, it's like I, I like the, the first three episodes. But it took to the third episode before I really could appreciate it. Yeah, I don't think you have that. That I I don't think a lot of shows have that luxury. Like you have like yeah. you have to you you know you have to hook people in the very beginning, and uh, there there's a whole like community at poised at their keyboards ready to bash you if you're not good like oh this show's trash it's no good like don't don't you know that's going on right now with hbo's velma the scooby oh, i haven't seen reboot. it yeah well everyone's just like it's they terrible making, and- yeah they keep making tv series with like uh like nancy drew or whatever and i thought like i think it was nancy drew that they made a series about her like and i thought it was just gonna be about her solving crimes but like the first like 40 minutes is her like having a boyfriend or something it's like i mean women have these problems but I wanted to see detective work. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to see her be like Sherlock Holmes, like an, an, an I think it's Anola Holmes or whatever. The second one where like Sherlock Holmes is like this, like he's actually drunk and a coke addict a little bit. Like no one ever shows that about Sherlock Holmes, but it's fun. Like you have her doing her own detectiveness, like actual detective where is happening outside right. of like the, the social commentary. But like, yeah, so I, I haven't really been watching anytime. There's like a new female detective thing. I'm kind of like burnt because of, uh, the Riverdale and uh, yeah, Riverdale and they had Betty too. doing a they had, they had a teenager doing a strip tease in front of a bunch of old men. <laughs> I was uh, like, that's that's kind of weird. Or like the American the American football for uh, prisoners, and then like the cheerleader cheerleaders showed up to start like taking their clothes off. I mean, like dancing or whatever. It's like I don't know. I don't think these things would work. Or like, how many times does Archie start basically some form of the KKK, like with little clan people running around? <laughs> I don't know. Like they had their fun, but uh, yes, no, I haven't gotten into it. Yeah. But uh, like, so stations 11 was like on a bunch of people's lists saying, and you know, saying you should really watch it. And I, I'm, I, I guess I've been burned by, by campaigns that are, they're designed to get you to think something's good. And you watch it. And you're like, what, what, what is this? You know, there's like, there are the invisible marketing hands always pushing us towards stuff. So I, I kind of rejected it. And I, I, I kind of agree with you. Like it's a slow burn. You got to like take a moment to get used to the narrative style and you're, you're in a pandemic due to a viral outbreak and there's a viral outbreak. Like who, who wants to watch this? Um, that was fun. I, I, I'm living it. And once, like once it connects with you, once it like it it's gears start working, I, I couldn't watch it fast enough. And Talk about sticking a landing. Like, yeah, that you know, ending was great. That ending made me feel like you said you cried. Yeah. Like, I, I definitely was like, oh my God, I'm so connected to this. And you know, like, I always like leave my body for a second. We're like, I'm watching a flat screen where a bunch of actors are saying words and there's sound and music. That's it. And like, that's the magic of it. Like, I, care about this this you know like i'm like if she doesn't spoilers i'm not really going to spoil it but like if she doesn't run into him like i'm going to lose my mind and you know they're kind of teasing that they're not going to see each other and then they do and i'm like holy crap i'm i just got to chill just like talking about it which is like yeah 
in the in the book they actually never meet up again it's like they they, it's one of those situations where the the movies i mean the tv series is better than the book which rarely happens and then the how they use shakespeare they made me like shakespeare and we're like i'm normally on the fence like all this good stuff but like it made me really interested because they made shakespeare relevant as they were telling a story because yeah. they were they were acting scenes that were relevant to the what was happening to the characters and how they were feeling. You're like I knit you from this world, or, or um, or when he when they're talking about basic. Well, this is the end. I don't care about spoiling. It's all on you guys for not. It's been like two years, two three years now. Um, <laughs> like they're they're talking about how like there's the betrayal. Like the 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 dad dies. Hamlet's there, and the son is you know basically asking, "Did you ever even miss my father?" And that like it's a crux of why they are all mad at each other. And he pulls a knife out and he's asking that question. He's like, no, I loved him too. And it's like, so it's interesting that you have this story going on. Then you have the story of Shakespeare and they're like, they're echoing each other in a very beautiful yeah. way. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I, Shakespeare I was marveled need, by that. It needs help. Like it's, it is so stuck in its language and stuck in often layered complex plots that it's like, it's hard to watch. Like, I don't, I don't think there's, you know, I, Actors love it because there are great roles and academics love it because you're talking about history and like, look at this language. What does this line mean? But like as an audience member, I've struggled to like, wow, I really loved that. Like watching um, Lawrence Olivier's Henry V, you know, which is supposedly like the best filmed version. I'm like, yeah, it's good, but it's it is it's hard to connect to that emotion sometimes like the actors are doing it and you're like wow this is a great scene but you're uh, you're constantly it's like it's almost like you're listening to a foreign language you know like have you ever watched yeah, a foreign it is a weird movie? language you've watched it a foreign a- movie without the subtitles and try and like like pay like uh, i'm trying to, it's like when i'm on a plane and i'm watching a movie on someone else's seat and i can't hear it and i'm like i'm like oh i'm going to try and figure out what's going on um but the language is different like it i think uh most teachers, like when I, whenever a teacher was telling me about it, it's like, give it like a couple of scenes and stop trying to pay attention and it'll snap to for you. But yeah. in terms of, yeah, for, for your podcast, what, what were some of the things that you drew from? Like we're talking about these different uh, shows and how they, like in this case, draw from Shakespeare. Were you looking at other audio dramas? And uh, if so, like, what did you get from them when you're pulling in to plan out your own? I, I really, I... I, it started from this movie idea. So it was like this big you know, uh, sprawling, multi-layered, multiple character cast system in this bunker. Um, And since we decided to make it into a podcast, we just honed in on one character within that massive world. Because I'm like, you can't cut from him to her. And then this other story, like you couldn't do Lord of the Rings as an audio podcast. It's just, there's too many characters. You couldn't follow it there even with a narrator you'd be like where am i who's talking so um i i I'm trying to remember like uh, an influence of, of another pot i mean i i love scripted podcasts but i you know I'm, i i i strangely i liked homecoming which has nothing to do with what i'm um with what subterra is about but i i just thought the acting was sublime in that one. And they, I mean, you can't go wrong with Catherine Keener. Um, I think sublime is a audio drama too. And sublime. Um, <laughs> it's also a, uh, was a band from long beach. Um, yeah. Well, it doesn't I, sound I, like you like, uh, sometimes people when they're 
making something. They like they gather a bunch of resources, kind of like what they're writing a paper. They grab a bunch of resources to start percolating before they sit down to paper and start writing out what the story is. It sounds like you just were naturally enjoying content, and then you sat down and you wrote something. You wrote it out, like if, in terms of just like the staging of it. I, I think because podcasts, scripted podcasts, was something new for me, and since. I didn't know how long the pandemic was going to go on. So I had unlimited time. I didn't want to say, oh, okay, well, it's a little bit of Game of Thrones and it's a little bit of, uh, you know, some obscure French sci-fi movie that Luc Besson directed with no dialogue. And it's a little bit of this. If you can ever see that movie, I don't know the name of it, but it's it's a really good one. Um, the Luc Besson one that's has no dialogue. I've never uh, heard of him before. So I'll check. You out. never heard of Luc Besson? No, I, uh, oh. I like uh, like Norwegian foreign film and um, an American film. And then if it's translated into English, then it's fine in terms of any film. Like well, Miyazaki did, or Studio Ghibli. He did The Fifth Element. He's That's like this. Oh, that one? That's a nice yeah. movie. Yeah. It's kooky. Yeah. Um, I, I, we just, uh, I, I just kind of wanted to like explore and write. And so there was a lot of writing and throwing out, like it, it wasn't this pressure of like, oh, okay, what is this? What is this? And, you know, like George Lucas took uh, Flash Gordon serials and some Kurosawa movies and the searchers and kind of mashed them together, but he was making like a, like a, like a movie on a budget that he had, he had to get the script done and get the money that I, I, I think what was, most enjoyable for me. And it's why I tell everyone like, Oh, you should try one of these, even if it's not, you don't think it's successful. Um, I, I didn't know how to tell a story just with audio. So I screwed up a bunch of times. I, I wrote drafts and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And like recorded stuff where I'm like, no, I, I did it wrong. So um, I, I didn't, it, it was more about like, let's just explore this world Let's write like like let's let's have a have a narrative, but like I, I want to, and, and definitely as you get into the second season, like I just want to hang. I want to be in this world. I, I'm in no hurry to get to the next sort of narrative peak. It's it's uh, the the podcast audience doesn't want something tight and fast. They they they're like you, scenes can breathe. Um, you can you can have a scene that's just a hang that's just in a in a space and um because of this medium because it's not television and you know you can watch something else i mean obviously you can you can skip to another podcast but i think while that person is walking their dog or doing laundry they want to they want to go away they want to take 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 i i have i'm doing a menial task take me somewhere else I'm sitting in my car, you know, fighting traffic. So um, I, I, long story, even longer, I, I just tried to like figure out this new art form by not like listening mm. to ones I like and like, all right, I'm going to emulate this. I'm like, I, I'm going to just make what sounds and feels right to me. I have pretty good creative instincts, I think. I mean, I'm not a genius, but um, when I when I hear something that I'm like, oh, that's good. I'm usually pretty right. And um, it was more just trial and error. You know, there were definitely episodes that had to be redone or scripts that had to be rewritten. But I had that that luxury because we were all sitting at home, you know, where 
if you're being paid to do this and there's a lot of expectations and I always tell people one of the biggest nightmares I've, you ever go through is when you're driving to work and you see the poster for the thing that you're working on. You're like, we're not done. We don't, we're not going to be available. It's not, it's not going to be done by March 15th. Like stop promoting it. Like once, you know, once the train leaves the station, you have to make stuff for people to consume. But because of this weird period in the earth and humanity's existence where we all just took a pause, I kind of was like, all right, I want to, I want to stretch some new uh, muscles and, and explore and experiment. And uh, that's why I tell people like, no, there's no rules to scripted podcasting. No one has cracked it. It's like endlessly evolving and, you know, uh, it, it, it rewards real creativity. So um, you don't need to like listen to, to something that I did and then go, Oh, I, I like that. I'll, I'll emulate that. Like, no, just yeah. do whatever. Um, mm. so it's interesting. Yeah. Then, um, when it, when it comes to the writing component, it's just isolating down on that. Did you, cause each I'm used to this idea that, you know, like a TV series or like welcome to the night bell, for instance, they have like a set time that they're going to write for each one, but yours are quite, quite variable in that amount like in, the, in that regard. Did you, did you write each episode discreetly or did you write the whole series and then break it up into segments? Like how did, how did that work in terms of just the writing and then, then also the logic of not having a uniform time structure? Uh, the first season was written week to week uh, mm. just because we decided that was what we were going to do. And that's fun. That it, it was more to keep the energy up and keep us excited. And so we'd finish editing one and publish it and then go, all right, let's now what happens. And uh, I really enjoyed that. It was like, you know, uh, working on a soap opera or something where it's just churning, churning, churning. And the second season we wrote them all and had a table read and then rewrote and like minor adjustments while I'm recording, but it was pretty much, um, all written before I hit record. And that was a very different experience, but now we had a bunch more actors and the world was bigger and we couldn't, you know, wait, didn't last week, didn't I say X? And now I'm saying Y, like, you know, it, it all needed to like follow some sort of logic. Um, And in terms of time, that is like, that's a real tender sore spot for me from TV, mm. which for some reason, for thousands of years, TV was either 30 minutes or 60 minutes and 30 minutes were comedies and 60 minutes were dramas. And it's like, what, why, why, why not a 30 minute drama or a 60 minute comedy? And it's all economic reasons. And uh, everyone in the movie business follows this three act paradigm. There are three acts in every movie. The first act sets up the stuff. There's an inciting incident. And then there's a, plot twist in page 30 and then there's act two and then act three is where the battle happens and if you're a marvel movie that's when the sky beam goes up and all the the robots come and thor smashes them all and i've always been like yeah but shakespeare wrote five acts all his plays are five acts so why can't a movie have five acts uh well no movies must have three acts we decide it like but who who Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's just like that 
the herd mentality, like this is the way we've always done it. I'm like, mm, well, Shakespeare didn't do three acts. He did five. Every play is five acts. And so I've always been like, a show should be as long as it needs to be. Like there's no, well, is it a half hour or is it an hour? Like, well, why, why can't it be 45 minutes? Like what's, you know? And so I think when we were writing them, we were less concerned about, I mean, obviously in the podcast world, there's, there's no formats. There's no 30 minute, 60 minute. And I just kind of wanted, I, I wanted them. I, I never want to bore the audience. Um, and I, always want them leaving uh, want them wanting a little more so i would just listen to them and i'm like and it's done like that that that's a show for me like that's songs aren't the same amount of time you know like mm-hmm. you listen to a rap album or a rock album they're di- the song lengths are all different like so um i'm sort of the mindset of who cares how long something is and it's the yeah. first question my wife asks about any movie how long is the movie and i say do you know the guy Neil Breen? You know that director who makes those crazy bad movies. He's kind of like, like a Tommy, like a like a Tommy Wiseau. You, you know, you like the movie The Room. I know, you know, I know the yeah, I know Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, The Room is like ninety minutes long. It is the longest ninety minutes of your life. It is so bad. It's I mean, it's enjoyably bad, but um, you know, you can watch uh, an amazing two and a half hour movie that doesn't feel like it. And you can mm-hmm. watch an 80 minute movie that's really badly done that just feels like an eternity is passing. So it's a little trick I do when I like watch a, a, a cut or an edit of something. Um, you know, they're always like showing you a little time code of how long it is. And I'm like, to take that down. I don't want to, I, I watch it, make my little notes. And then I say, that felt about X amount of minutes. And if it's a good show, it's it's under. They're like, oh, I say it feels like about was that about 30 minutes? They're like, actually, it's 48. Like, oh, it feels like 30, which to me is like, oh, good. It doesn't, it's not dragging. And I have watched some really bad shows I've worked on where I'm like, was that was that over an hour? And they're like, no, it was, it was 40 minutes. Like, oh, <laughs> it felt long, you know. So there, there's like a like an internal clock you have when you when you when you watch something, you know. How long is Star Wars? I have no idea. Is it three hours, two hours, 90 minutes? I don't care. All I know is, you know, they're gonna be in the trash compactor at, at this point, and that's when the story takes a turn and this and that. Like I I, I don't um I, I just don't subscribe to like p- putting a time limit on something like you know if it's too long. You know all Transformers movies. God love them. God love Michael Bay. He's trying. He's blowing up he, more explosions per per minute than anyone else. But they feel like an eternity. They're I feel so... like the yeah the uh, the Transformers movies are are great propaganda for America. That's what I feel like they are. There's so many like a guy in a beat up pickup truck driving right next to a train in a cornfield. Then he. Like two minutes later, like almost like an, he's sitting on his balcony while drinking a past blue ribbon or something, and he's looking at the sunset. And if an eagle flew in there, it'd be like too iconic. It just they feel like such great, uh, uh, like just propaganda for America. Like it's just such yeah. patriotism I mean, in those. Movies. He's a commercial director, and they feel like commercials. But like yeah. you never get to like 
there's there's a guy driving in a truck and he's got a dog and he's got an American flag and he's he's heading to work and he's soldering something and then he goes home and has a beer on the porch and you're like and the ad is for this truck or <laughs> life insurance or it there never a, gets to like the the product there was a a scene where uh i think it was like the Kate Yeager ones where they they crash something like a budweiser truck and he literally opens up the budweiser oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. drinks it and then throws it at the guy <laughs> it's like i wonder who uh who uh, sponsored or you know funded this uh, this this movie? You got to give it to Michael Bay. He uh, leans into it. You know, yeah, like, he knows we, his stuff. We we, we got to have a product placement. Like, yeah, all right. Well, Mark Wahlberg is going to crack a beer, drink it, and then hit someone with it. Like, at least he goes for it. <laughs> are you um Are you ever going to monetize or do like a Kickstarter or something to really expand your podcast or like do other things like that? Because it does seem that you've really enjoyed having such complete creative control, like not someone up in network, like poking you in the head, you know, and bothering you or, or a poster going up before you're ready and stuff like that, which and on the, on the other side, you also aren't, you know, it doesn't take you so long to get something done that people get mad at you. Like Patrick, uh, Patrick Rothfuss or something that has, or like George R. R. Martin that, you know, maybe won't ever put out their next book. Um, knock on wood. I hope he is. Uh, I, it's funny because, old habits die hard. And so I've shared it with people who are industry people. And the first question out of their mouth is, have you written, a, is, is it a pilot? Have you, have you got a script? <laughs> and I'm like, no. And they're like, oh. I, I think very early on, there was a couple of companies that were sniffing around and they're like, come in and pitch it. And I have decided, no, like I'm, A, I'm never going to monetize it. I don't, I don't need to make money off of it. I, I make it because I love making it. And I'm very happy when people reach out and say, oh my God, I had a great time and get to the surface ace or whatever happens in the story. No spoilers. Uh, so that to me is like worth it uh, outside of advertising. But in terms of like making it into something else, my strategy is to just keep making it and, I don't want to go to pitch. I don't want to go to Netflix and say, we got a show and it's this and sci-fi and it's young and it's got a robot. I want, I want to build an audience. And if, if a Netflix comes to me and says, yeah, we've noticed you got this audience, I, I would consider it, but it's really having made so much stuff that doesn't connect with people and having made a lot of stuff just for money that people always wanted me to talk about. And I say, I just needed money. I don't care about that thing. Like I care about this thing. People always ask what's, what's the best thing you've made. I'm like, Oh, it's Subterra 100%. Like that's, that's the best thing I've done. So just like, I, I want to honor that and keep, you know, I, I, there are people downloading it, listening to it and starting in episode one and going to the final episode of the second season. And so I just want to keep doing that for them. I keep wanting to, you know, continue. I we're writing the next season right now. And um, I just, you know, the, the instinct is, well, let's exploit it across multiple platforms. And I'm like, why? Well, like, can it just be a thing where it mm -hmm. is? Um, I mean, I know everyone wants to get super rich, but there, there are points when it's like, maybe I should just make stuff just to make stuff, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe I think a plushie though would be pretty cool of the yes. dog. <laughs> you had like a plushie of the dog or something. I know that's like, you know, maybe you donated it all to a cause you like, so it's not in that way, but 
Yeah. If you were to merch something up, I, I would be cool if you had like a little plushie. I, I'd give it away. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm like, it brings me so much joy to make it. And it brings me untold joy when people connect with it and are like, I love it. And I'm like, awesome. That's all like, that's sort of, I, I tell people like, I feel like I've gone back to film school because I'm film school educated. And then I had all these great sort of like artistic lofty ideas. And then you get co-opted into, well, you know, you got to kind of make it. I remember some exec at a big, at, at a big studio and they, they were into me for something. And I was like, I want to make this great thing. These crazy big ideas. And she said, yeah, you kind of got to like do one for us first. You got to kind of like make a crappy movie or write some crap or write something that, you know, is financially successful, but maybe isn't very good. And I was always kind of like, that's kind of sad. That's why there's a lot of sad people in this world, uh, in the entertainment space, because they're all super talented. It's very hard, very competitive. And then they're often, they got to go make, you know, a kind of crappy, no one cares about show. And they have to, you know, like you have to do that to, 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 to subsist and, and, and make a living. And I guess for me, I just kind of want something pure yeah. and yeah, I've talked to like a couple of weird, like a, like a North a South Korean company that wanted to do something with it. And I was like, I, 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 I'm, I'm having too much fun, like building the world out and exploring and talking about it. Ugh who cares like who want you know yeah. like, like yeah. do you um for the people who work with you i don't know if you've uh like have other people doing editing or whatever but you do have other actors do you compensate the actors or it's a whole volunteer thing for everybody um they're like equity partners in it which means nothing i mean uh, like yes if it becomes a star wars they're all going to get very rich but uh most of them have done it because they want to act and yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Like that, like my friend said, you know, um, I don't get to act. I get to, you know, be on the soundstage and say, and say lines. And um, this guy would do like 50, 60 takes while I'm recording, you know, the Subterra. And it's so fun. It's just freeing, you know, uh, it, it's why I tell a lot of my creative friends like, oh, you should do one just because the pressure of, uh, a set and making a day and we're going to shoot this many pages and like all these people show up and there's men and women in shorts hanging stuff and lights. And you're like, hours go by and you're like, we've done nothing. And they're like, it's time for lunch. And you're like, we did zero today and it's lunchtime. Mm -hmm. And then one thirty rolls around and you shoot for like an hour and then, all right, we got to move on. I mean, like you just like the amount of time, that goes into getting people fed. <laughs> it outweighs like just film, just shoot, just, you know, like make stuff. And so once you remove the production element of it, I could just sit in this studio here and just play and play and play. And like yeah. it, it for anyone, if you're an amateur creative or if you're, you know, if, Hey, uh, <laughs> Ryan Johnson, take a break from uh, the uh, knives out series and just make one of these and just explore, like have fun. I, I just, <clears throat> like I said, I feel like 
I'm back in film school again, and I'm not worried about who, how is this going to be perceived by the people at the studio, the network, the platform, yeah. and oh That's my nice god, movie. it's it's six o'clock. We need to get all this done. Like it, it's just so liberating. So, um, I, I cannot yeah. recommend it enough. Yeah, the um one one thing that I thought as it would be a good opportunity is that you have all this artwork on the website, the WordPress one. It'd be pretty cool if those were in the thumbnails because you can update on like uh, all the platforms, the different thumbnails that you have. And yeah. you have you have like the different characters and the different, you know, animals and the different environments already made. I think they'd be kind of nice if every now and again, or in all of them, I don't know, you could have like, just like use them. Because I feel like it's such a missed opportunity when it's just like a standard cover art for all of them. Right. Uh, versus just having like that texture of like, oh, this is this person talking or this is the environment, you know, like I think it can all be in someone's head, of course. But if you already have them done and they're really good, like the stuff that you have like on, on the WordPress was actually quite nice. That'd be like one uh, piece of advice for you, but which leads into my question for you. Uh, and we've been kind of talking about it this whole time, but uh, concretely, what would be some advice? Like we talked about the equipment. So you just need, you know, get a microphone, a cheap one, maybe like cheap one like this. This is like 70 bucks, like it's not that anything. Um, and then if you're working, do, did you work remotely with people? And in which yes. case, then what software did you use to do that? If you could just kind of like, if you were to MVP it out for like a little, little person out there who wants to do something like this with their friends who would live a distance away, um, which is probably like the most cheap way to do anything. Cause they don't even have to like use gas to get to your place and stuff like that. What, what advice, like how would you, um, what are the tools we've already touched on a little bit, but if we could expand on the software and stuff you use to do the recording and that type of thing, just, to to like wrap up this idea of like getting people more involved in this type of thing. Yeah. The uh, audio remotely was recorded on audacity, which is free. And I uh, worked with the actor on, oh, okay. on a zoom and it, you know, they did it locally. Then they recorded they it locally, locally and then uploaded the, it to you. Yeah. The first season it was the quarantine. We couldn't all get together. So um, it, uh, I, I had, I worked with an actor via zoom. I had him record, um, at least six takes. And then I built it in, uh, I did the editing. I did it in a logic pro, but Apple has GarageBand. It's not that hard to edit audio. Um, I think what I, what I really learned and I just did a lot of YouTube videoing is, uh, like a little bit of send one character to one channel or pan it to the left and pan it to the right for another character. So, you know, you watch a lot of TV or movies. There's like what they call cross coverage where two people sit and talk and there's two over the shoulder shots of them and you bounce back and forth and you get a sense of the rhythm of a conversation when you're listening to it. You obviously don't have those visual cues. So I used like one character in the left and one character in the right. And as they talked and also mm, that's here's, here's something they don't do enough in uh scripted podcasts overlap the dialogue it feels real oh it's one at a time all the time it's always one of the and it so when you watch a bad conversation when you watch a badly edited movie of a conversation of two people talking you'll see one person talk and then they'll cut to the other person saying their line and they'll cut back and forth and it's awful what when you edit a scene you'll l cut you'll take a little bit of the audio of the person talking and then you'll cut their audio over to the other person who's listening. And then you'll hear their response and you'll get like, you'll slide the audio underneath the, the back and forth edits. And I use that a lot uh, in the later season because I feel like it feels real. 
I didn't mm-hmm. have the actors in the room at the same time. So it's like, I say a line, then I say a line, then she says a line. Like you want it to feel like a conversation. So I, I, I really recommend mashing that audio on top of each other and have people talking at the same time and interrupting each other. Um, I edited it on Logic Pro and I scored the show myself. Um, I'm not a musician, but I know like a little bit of music theory and score is super important. And also at the same time, I mean, you can get, um, you can find public domain stuff or you can also score it yourself. But uh, I, I listened to a radio play of a Neil Gaiman book, The Sandman, and it was wall-to-wall score. It was just classical music from the second it started and it drove me crazy. It was just, it was too much. So this is another thing that I've learned is sometimes don't have any music and that can like really accent uh, an, an intense moment where you've just had music the whole way through, like drop it out and then like let somebody say something and, and let that sit there. I found that like really powerful to not have uh, what they call wall-to-wall music. And um, there's plenty of sites where you can get sound effects, but what really, what going back to my little dumb anecdote at the beginning where the actor had his dog nearby and it shook its head and added like, oh, I got to cover that jingling sound. I built a, a room tone for this space and it was super important. How Not do you only do that? To, just, just as a quick uh, aside, how do you build a room tone for people um, like listening who are just like, some people are completely yeah. fresh to this idea. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fine. Because you and I are talking and there's no room tone. So it's, yeah. you know, um, if we were editing this conversation, we would take, we would sit quietly in this room and record a minute of just the sound of the room. They do this all in movies and rooms have sound in them, even though mm. you can't really hear it. But if you watch, if you watch a movie without any room tone, something is weird. Something what's, what's going on? Like it doesn't, it feels wrong. And so to cover that sound of the dog's collar, I just went to YouTube. People have uploaded room tones for an apartment, a house or whatever. I think uh, in one of the early scenes, he goes to like a marketplace. So I found the sound of a real marketplace and laid it in there, but also just like a, like a complete track of just tone, you know, like this character is underground in a massive, you know, 10 mile bunker that's got to have like a, like a consistency to it. It's got to have a, a, when you're in there, it sounds like something like I've been watching these videos of this room that people go into where it's like a completely soundproof room and you yeah, can't hear anything and they go nuts. So like yeah. we, we crave sound and definitely don't skimp on that. Like think about that and think about like, okay, they're in a, like a little, you know, our characters are in a tunnel. All right. So we'll find like a tunnel sound with like water dripping and just, it was like little things that I did that people are like, Oh, it's like, like you, Oh, it sounds so good. And I'm like, I didn't, I just added some room tone, but it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a audio color that you can't, you can't uh, skip. I think it's super important. And, you know, don't worry about length. Just 
keep the story moving, keep, keep it exciting. And just, it's just experiment, you know, like that's the, I was thinking about how podcasts are kind of like the, uh, the video, the digital video that came on in like the late nineties and sort of just changed filmmaking, you know, like where, uh, people in the seventies and eighties shot on film and there's, you know, there's, there's a finite amount of film that you can shoot because you'll run out, you know, like there, there were all these like, you know, uh, constraints to making something. And now you can shoot in your phone, you can shoot digitally. You can just, you know, hit like, be like David Fincher and do a thousand takes. Um, and I, I, I just, I, 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 I guess with the, with that actor where we just did 50 takes, like, just do it, just see, just maybe they're all exactly the same. And like, all right, I don't need to do 50 takes, but uh, try different, you know, I tried different variations. I would, uh, I would act in the scene with him. I would just get him line reads. Like, I just like, just create a lot of media, like just record, 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 try, try, try. And sometimes 30 minutes into this, you know, him doing one line, I would find this great voice cracking and, oh my God, the emotion in that little sentence that he said blows me away. So I was like, all right, it was worth spending 30 minutes of him to say like one line, which is, you know, something like uh, you're just not going to have that, that advantage when you make a movie, you're just not going to, unless you're Kubrick or David Fincher who do hundreds of takes and Kubrick's dead and David Fincher has admitted he does that not for the actors, but for the, the craftspeople who built the set and did all this great work. And he's like, and then we shoot like five takes and we're like, all right, moving on. Like, no, I'm going to like, they torture us for no reason. Yeah. So he honors the craftspeople that built this amazing world and like, I'm going to just shoot and shoot and shoot. And so you could just make it into a giant pit and burn it while having a drink with them at the end. <laughs> like, I don't know. That seems kind of like cruel and unusual uh, punishment, but I guess some people like would probably like kill to work with them, I guess. Cause he's a good guy. I, it, you know, uh, the, the product is good. Like the, the films he makes, yeah. I, I think are, are very good. So that that's his process. So, um, yeah, anything, I know we're coming to the end and I don't want to run, run over and wait, uh, eat up your day. So was there any other, pieces of advice. I think the, the big thing is really just have fun with it. Try it out. The equipment, you know, uh, pretty straightforward. Zoom, if you're working with people over a line uh, to just kind of coordinate it. You can have them uh, uh, recorded on their side with Audacity, which is where I started with my podcast as well. And now I, I use Adobe Premiere, which is fairly cheap, but you can't be cheap, uh, cheaper than free. And Audacity is pretty solid. And then um, experiment with anything that you want, really. And then if you put it up there, you can iteratively make it better. Because, I mean, you're already on season two. It's a little bigger, a little better. Um, there's always little things you can tweak. Like the little thumbnail thing I suggested, like that. I think yeah. people might enjoy that. It's a little textual thing. But at the same time, like maybe you just want it, everyone just make their own world in their head. And just have like the soundscape be what it is. Um, anything besides that? Yeah, I mean, I think... It, it really all just goes back to writing and that's you know, we, you can have all of the equipment and you can have $50,000 mics, but if you're, if, if, if your story isn't interesting, it doesn't matter, you know, and yeah. um, narrative isn't just storytelling, you know, it's like, it's about change and it's about values and it's about emotion. And a lot of the times these things get kind of, 
pushed to the side for the sake of action and the, for the sake of movement, um, like Ryan Johnson having uh, a mom joke to open a Star Wars movie, you know, like I hate that. Why'd you bring it up again? <laughs> <laughs> because I just I just recently rewatched it and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that it this... sucks. I also hate me? in in uh, the Force Awakens when he goes when uh, Kylo Ren gets gets down and he goes, who goes first? I go first. You go first. How does this work? And I'm like, God damn it! Don't you've deflated the marvelization of star wars like you're doing bits you're doing like a little cute yeah oh this is this is what i'd say with my friends like no this guy's kylo ren he's gonna kill you don't don't say i go first you go first how does this work like you're just yeah anyway uh that's an aside especially in force awakens where he starts with literally breezing a blaster bolt in midair which we've never seen before um yeah i was intrigued by that i'm like that's cool but then don't do quips um, but that this these are notes just for J.J. Abrams, so that everyone else yeah. do whatever you want. But like Ryan, a, a fun joke that I heard is Ryan Johnson his his goal was to subvert expectations, and he subverted my expectation for having a great Star Wars experience. <laughs> <laughs> I tell it to the first one. Yeah, I just went through the first three a uh, couple of weeks, couple of weeks back. Pure joy, just like. Uh, I I just it always makes me smile. It's it's such good storytelling. It's it's uh, the action is forty years old and it still holds up. Like that's impressive with all yeah. the technology we have now. I can't think of an action movie outside of Fury Road that I'm like that blew my mind. Like I'm like yeah, a lot of robots running around fighting, and then there's a the guy drinking a Bud Light. And then throwing in a guy. Um, I think the thing, John Carpenter's the 1984. The thing is probably that one of the other old movies. Which I mean, I don't know. I just saw that in the theaters uh, a couple. You of saw months it in, ago. in the theater. That's awesome. Yeah, they, the, they re-released the sound it. for that, where you have like the heartbeat. You know the the soundtrack. Yeah, oh, it's so compelling because the the alien stuff's going on. I saw it when I was a little kid and it blew me away. And I was like, I'm sitting there with a bunch of millennials at a movie theater in LA. And I'm like, are they going to, are they going to get this? Cause it, it, it's not CGI. It's, it's, and the tension in the room was palpable. Like they were freaked out. And I'm like, it's just, it's people blowing into things to make horns come out of dudes. Like it's all practical and it doesn't look amazing, but the tension of that that script in that world i i you could just feel it in the room people were like obviously not seen it and they're like i don't i I don't know what's going to happen next what 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 is where are we i'm 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 just as confused as these characters on the screen and that movie is a masterpiece do you think um i feel like we're getting off on a side and i know like i have to like wrap up but uh do you do you think mccready and childs or either of them were was the alien do you think that the alien won in the end there's a lot of, uh, it's funny i showed it to my wife and then she we came home and we just watched youtube videos about it for an hour like this is this is now how i watch movies i watch them and i go okay what is what what are the what are all these videos that, that break it down with the 50 things you didn't see um uh mccready is uh, uh kurt russell right and yep the other child guys, is uh, child uh, Keith David, I think is his name. Yeah, he's in Community. I like that that TV show. Yeah, um, 
Oh, that's why. Yeah, because he's in Rick and Morty too. He's the president. Yeah, um, is the voice of the president. Okay, so Childs and McCready are in the broken craft at the end. The whole place is on fire. Um, you I can think McCready see- has a flamethrower, and Childs just kind of hanging out. McCready is drinking something, which some he people hands say him something. Yeah, some people say it might have been a Molotov cocktail, and he gives it. Yeah. He's not drinking it. He gives it to Childs, who drinks it. And that that is tipping us off to oh he's an alien because he would would go this doesn't taste like scotch this is gasoline, but if you watch the very end of it, McCready's you can see his breath they're outside, and it, it's freezing cold and then they cut to Childs you cannot see his breath there's no vapor coming out of his mouth and that blew my wife's mind I'm like he's clearly the alien she's like that is so subtle and I'm like. Yeah, that wouldn't work today. And it's probably why the movies wasn't financially successful because they don't hang a lantern on this is the alien. He won. Like you you really have to watch yeah. it. And I've seen I the bet movie. he won in the long term though, on the residuals. He he probably makes all right off the oh. Blu-rays and stuff. Oh, for Hopefully. sure. Oh, yeah. But I think McCready uh knows that Childs is the alien and he's like let's just let's just see what ha- I think he says like let's just, see, let's just see what happens like that's the last line. Um, yeah. What a masterpiece! Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and the documentary behind them are really good too. We talked about Star Wars, and then I will ask you for book recommendations because I don't want to get you in trouble with anything else you got going on tonight. But um, the uh, uh, who do you think the Mandalorian is? I ask this to people, and they think it, they don't realize that there's some subjectivity to it potentially who the mandalorian is yeah who do you think the mandalorian is like when they they say the mandalorian the tv show who who do you think it's about um is that a trick question i'm i don't (laughs) i i have an opinion that it isn't the obvious answer basically when i ask people they always come to the they're like what are you talking about well it's clearly din jaren i don't think it's din jaren no all right no no, tell tell, i'm now i'm very interested tell what's your theory I think Grogu's the Mandalorian and Din Djarin is basically Obi-Wan Kenobi raising him up. If, if, especially given the fact that, uh, Grogu's coming back for the third season, right? if they would have let, I actually think it'd be really cool if he went off with Ahsoka and he was kind of like that cute ball that helps lift up new series, like keep people interested. I thought that would be kind of funny, but the fact that, <laughs> the fact that he's coming back for the third season. And if you listen to the trailer, like he's constantly teaching Grogu what it means to be Mandalorian and Grogu's getting to the point where he's starting to develop skills again. I think what's going to, this is my guess. I think uh, Din Djarin's going to try to unite the tribes again. He's going to fail about the time that Grogu's like mentally like 17, 18 years old. And then uh, he's going to fail and be betrayed probably by like Bo-Katan because she likes cre- uh, creating civil wars. He's going to die. And then Grogu's going to go on like this like quest, like not necessarily revenge or whatever, but there's going to be a lot of stuff being resolved there. And he's going to be the one that wields the dark saber because he has all the force potential to do it. And he's going to unite the tribes and bring them all together. He's going to be the the one Mandalorian to actually bring everyone back together. Din Djarin's Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he's kind of like that mentor that dies. I think this this story is entirely about Grogu. That is a wild theory, but it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I pointed out to people. And they're like, at first they were like, what the heck are you talking about? No, no, (laughs) no. if If you watch the whole thing with that idea in mind, the Mandalorian's not inherently Din Djarin. If anything... Like I, my wife, I got my wife to watch the whole thing, and she's like, "No, it's Grogu. Grogu's the Mandalorian." All right, now I need to rewatch it. <sighs> We're gonna have to cut this short. 
<laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll leave you with the last question then, because I, I know you're being polite and not yelling at me for going over. Um, what are some? Um, you're gonna say something? Sorry. No, no. I I am happy to be here. Yes. Okay. Um, what are some books or movies you? Basically, you get to own the listeners' weekend outside of listening to your content, and it has to be at least one book because uh, we love reading. Uh, but what is one book? And then, like, Saturday night, what are you having us watch? Okay, I'm reading it for the 8 billionth time, and it is a, a book that has a lot of interesting story around the writing of it and what happened to the author. And uh, it has influenced a lot of people, and it is the only book that has made me laugh out loud while reading. Like I've read a lot of books and I'm like, eh, that's, that's funny. This one, I, I laugh like, like I'm bawling laughing and it is called a Confederacy of Dunces. And is, it is uh, written by a gentleman named John Kennedy tool who wrote a book when he was 16 called the neon Bible never got published and then wrote this book and it never got published and then he killed himself and his mom uh fought for years to get it published it did it won a pulitzer and it's considered one of you know the great american novels it's set in new orleans which is a city i love i was just revisiting it and clearly like larry david and the seinfeld you know the way those later uh episodes uh, seasons where the stories all fold into each other. They're all like four wild stories that all connect. That's how this, that's the structure of this book. And the main character is the funniest character I've ever read. He is a morbidly obese, angry, overeducated snob who lives with his mom because he can't work, which are like right off the bat. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I've been there. Um, and he goes on this madcap adventure that's just insane. So if you've never read Confederacy of Dunces, they've been trying to make it into a movie. And thank God they haven't because it's it's too perfect. Like they were going to make it in the 80s with John Belushi and somebody else. And um, there's all this tragedy around. Like people keep dying who are attached to it. But there's some like Tulane University owns the book and they won't release it. And I think Steven Soderbergh was going to make it into a movie. And I read the script and I was like, eh, it's not as good as the, the book. So uh, if you want to laugh and read about a great American city, New Orleans, read Confederacy of Dunces. So I haven't uh, heard that before. So I'm going to check it out. And then do you want us to be watching anything this Saturday? You, everyone listening has to listen to you. So it, it could be heinous. Um, not too heinous, actually. Watch this Saturday. I have already gone through this whole season of this show. It is on FX or Hulu or whatever they're called mm. now. And you've probably all heard of it. And you've probably heard enough people telling you to watch it. But I'm going to be another guy because I'm such a fan of it. It's called The Bear. Mm. And I, I watched the first couple episodes. Yeah, keep 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 watching it. It my, my like, prom, my, talk about stick the landing. Yeah, my it, pro, my problem with the it's like the type of content where they set up things that aren't resolved immediately or like at all in the episode, 
And so I'm constantly thinking like, will they pay it off? Will they pay it off? Will they pay it off? And uh, there's so many TV shows and movies that just never paid off. So it's like, oh, I don't know. I'll go watch something else. I got like four episodes in. It's like, I don't know if they're going to pay this off. But if you say well, it's going to be paid off, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it. Um, they're only half hours. And yeah, the penultimate episode, uh, spoilers, is all one shot. The entire episode. Like it's one. That's it's crazy. All, and it's a masterpiece. And uh, they stick the landing. Like, you know what's going on with. They're, they're planting seeds along the way of what happened with his brother, and it is completely paid off. It is apparently a comedy, but it's not that funny. It's very it's like, ang- anxiety-inducing. Uh, I don't I don't know what it is. Like, I don't have a term to like, oh, yeah, it's a blank. It's, some, it's a real shop, too, in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a um, real place. You can visit it. It, it, is, it is about a Michelin-starred, super-famous chef who returns to Chicago to take over his brother's uh, Italian beef sandwich shop after his brother died um, of uh, a drug overdose or suicide. I can't remember. And yeah. it, if, if you told me that's a good show, I'd say, no, that's okay. That, that sounds terrible. And sort of like to what you said, they don't pay things off like a normal show like they'll spoilers they accidentally give kids a bunch of xanax at a party and they all pass out and i'm like oh boy this is gonna be and it just it's like "Eh, that happened so it's you have to get into the rhythm of of the storytelling and uh it's worth it alone just to watch that seventh episode that's all one shot it is just like Mm. this is what are they doing and just in terms of like, I keep talking about emotion and caring. There's a character in it that's just trying to make donuts and he really wants to make good donuts. And I just remember uh, late in the season, I'm yelling at my TV, like that better be good. Like I'm so connected with this guy, you know, it, it breaks every single rule. It should not work. It's very low stakes. There's not, you know, the, the planet is not in, in peril if they don't make a perfect sandwich. Like it's very, it shouldn't work. And I think it's like one of the best shows I've seen in a decade. So please give it, please give it just a few more. Yeah. My problem, the, I think the thing that ruined it was the, that there's commercial breaks. Cause uh, like, I, I think it's like my wife's sister or something. We get it from them. Share passwords. I'll give you my uh, Hulu password. So you don't have to watch no, it's, commercials. It's, <laughs> I want you to yeah. enjoy it. I, I, I love it so much. I want you to be like, Oh yeah. 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 I, I totally know what you're saying when you're watching something spectacular and then it's like a commercial for Mazda and you're like, what? I hate commercials. I hate yeah. them. Yeah. I hate every single one of them. They, they break the, yeah. the, the I've ad blocked everything. Yeah. Yeah. I will give you my, pa- you know what? I'll, I'll get you no, DVDs of it. I will mail them to you. I want you to watch good. it the way I'll, you're supposed I'll to watch find it. I'll find a way or I'll just tolerate it. It's, it's not, I'm going to watch it the Saturdays. It's all good. Yeah, get if you get to seven, you will get to eight. Because once you watch mm. seven, you're like, I gotta see the finale. And it, it, I had, uh, I remembered Station Eleven and how I felt in the finale. And same thing with the bear. Mm. So yes, it is. I, I think it's presented as like you know, it's kind of like uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, but at a Chicago meat uh, sandwich place. It is not. It is like no something. It's very com- dour. 
completely new and but the like it starts very dark and very anxiety inducing when you're in that kitchen and by the end um you're like rooting for everybody so i i was blown away by it i i didn't want to like it and then i i'm i'm one of those i'm one of those people now that tell you have you seen the bear and you go yeah <laughs> yeah well i'm gonna please, watch it and everyone listen and check it out as well as yeah. as per everyone's uh implied agreement in listening this long thank you, you have to watch it. this now um <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, I think it's fun. It's just like, hey, you could take our Saturday, you know. But at the same time, if if I could ask you one more bonus question, um, you've basically given a lot of your knowledge over the, this this conversation. Um, what do you need? What do you need help with? Is there something, even if it's just like, hey, here's my newsletter on this thing, like you know, you can check it out. But is there something that you're working on, a problem that you're going through, that maybe someone listening could help? Maybe even me. I don't know. You never know. I I think I I need help. Uh, I I need help promoting my podcast and that's mm -hmm. uh marketing is something that i've not like been involved in and and it's there's always like another wing of a place you're working for that deals with that and i, I i'm just I, it's not something i'm good at it's not something and and like i said i care so much about it i'm not trying to make money i just i just i i want people to hear it so that they get the pleasure that i get putting into it and i just I am not good at making uh, amplifying the content out into the world. I'm I'm learning and I'm getting better and I'm, you know, social media this and ad by that and uh I'm trying, but if if someone's like a, a marketing genius and they're like this is what you should do, I would be all ears. Yeah, I, I, you don't have a huge channel, right? I'm sorry. You don't have a YouTube channel? Yeah, we do. Yes. Oh, okay, I missed that. I was going to yeah. say, like, uh, Mike Duncan's Revolutions, he doesn't have a YouTube channel, so people literally upload his audio into a, a playlist, and I listen to that because I don't like clicking through each individual one, but huh. each individual one of those has, like, 100,000 uh, views. Wow. That's great. Yeah, there's just a, it's just a little thumbnail. I was going to suggest that. I think, I mean, given the, the length of them, you could have, like, some shorts or, like, TikToks and stuff made out of it. Um, I try to, I don't have TikTok, but I know people that like that type of thing. How would you get it out there? Well, you can always pick a fight with someone. Apparently that's really good. Uh, I was, I was reading a book about, uh, called, uh, the 50th law of power, but with like 50 cent or something. It's like, wait, wait, fear. yeah. Is it based by the guys who wrote the 48 laws of power? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love like that. It's an law. amazing book. But yeah, it's about conquering fear, uh, but, uh, which it doesn't talk about what I'm talking about now, but they basically say like, pick a fight with someone. And uh, I've, I've thought about this for a while. Like, what if I like find another podcaster or someone uh, and then like we work out like uh, us fighting, to get, you know, online uh, <laughs> to, to like get things bigger. Like, they're, like, starting out. I'll, 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 st we'll, I'll pick a fight with you next. Yeah. Next time I come on. <laughs> yeah, we got to we got to like uh, work out like a soundbite where we're like just cursing each other to the camera and I'll put that in the first two seconds. <laughs> but Ooh, it, like, like that. it'd be clickbait. It'd be clickbait, though, because like. It would, it would have to have like a really contentious conversation. Like I say, Hey, what do you think the Mandalorian is? Like you're stupid lol. Of course it's Din <laughs> Oh, I love that. That's a good podcast idea. Yeah. We just fight each other the entire time. We just, yeah. It's like wrestling, but for your ears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of scripted, you know, like, like wrestling for your ears. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I you like pick that. A fight, fight with someone, especially if you know a lot of people and they're bigger than you, that, that helps. It's so if you know like someone who's bigger than you, have them fight you. It's like that Monty Python sketch where the guy goes in for an argument and he just is like, no, 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 you're not. You know, like, like we could just, it, it's a podcast where people 
have come to get into a fight. Oh, yeah. I love I love that. That is a great idea. Let's yeah, there's do it. a let's do it. Yeah. Well, you're welcome back on anytime you want. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining us today with the Learn with Lowell show. Check us out at learnwithlowell.com. Anywhere podcasts can be found. Subscribe. Tell me what you thought of this episode. Check us out on YouTube in particular. It's a new thing I'm doing. Uh, Timestamps and links are in the show notes. Thank you for coming. And I hope everyone, every one of you found something today that you're curious about to learn more about. And you'll go out and be curious and learn something new. Thank you and have a great rest of your day.